0: John chapter four. Last Sunday we looked at this passage because this passage is really foundational to why we are called the Well. Like I said last Sunday, wasn't uh, just that we were trying to have a cool name, something real catchy. No, there, there's there's uh, there's deep meaning. There's 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 importance to names. Names names are powerful. Words are powerful and. And that sign out on Grand Avenue called the well has meaning to us. And in John chapter 4, we looked at Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at a well, right? At a well. And we saw last week that that the the core, the the point of, of the story was that Jesus knew her story. Right, that Jesus came in and had a conversation with her, and in the weeks ahead we're going to look more at this conversation. But last week, what we understood was when Jesus turned the conversation to, to speak to her, when he says in verse 16, John 4, he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet, right? Suddenly she goes into a discussion about worship. The whole point of that we saw, we saw last week wasn't necessarily this harsh condemnation, okay? And it wasn't condoning either. What it was, was I call it confounding. It was a more of a confounding than anything. That's the point of this, of this meeting here, okay? It wasn't condoning her befa- behavior. It wasn't condemning it in this passage, he was confounding her. He was saying, uh, hey, and by the way, I know we just met, but let me tell you about you. And suddenly she is like, what? Right? Look at her. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Right? And suddenly she said, wow. And it strikes her deeply. And then, and then he goes on in this, in this passage, verse, 20, uh, verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Verse 26 Then Jesus declared I who speak to you Am he So he confounds her with knowledge About her story And then he makes this very Bold proclamation Hey you know that Messiah guy you're waiting for Uh, By the way that's me And in that Declaration She is confronted With those words she is confronted with, this isn't just a prophet, this isn't just another Jew, this man is claiming to be Messiah, and in that declaration, she now has to make a decision regarding what she just heard, and I shared with you last week a little bit of my story my journey with Jesus, coming out of the, the Roman Catholic tradition, coming out of sort of this academic success-oriented drivenness, right, and, and then in and, and being introduced and various people, uh, roommates, friends, you know, girlfriend, now wife, right, into Jesus and who he is, that that one of the, the, the striking comments that I read was, you know, that Jesus is either a lunatic, if you just take Jesus' words for, for face value, right, in fact, in this passage where he says... Uh, you know, uh, he's going to get living water, right? Never thirst again. If you just read the Gospels and take Jesus' words at face value, you basically have three options. He's either a lunatic, right? Living water, I'm the bread of life, right? Destroying this temple, I'll be raised up in three days, right? He's either cray cray, right? He's lying, or he's Lord. And, and I remember reading that and, and really being struck with that because I, I shared with you before, another one of my roommates sort of viewed Christians and Christianity as just a crutch. He was very successful on his way. We were both going to law school, and he was on his way north. I was on my way south. And he viewed what you and I are gathering here for as a crutch. We're just a bunch of weaklings, and take you along, and you need, you know, Big brother in the sky to help us. Right? But he just kind of dismissed it. I don't need God. He just dismissed it. Right? Me on the other hand, I was like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Kind of grew up going to church, going mass every Sunday, I can't say I believe in a God. You know, I didn't know anything about this idea of a relationship, more more religion and tradition. Okay, very faithful in that. And this idea of a relationship, and, and singing these types of songs, and studying the Bible, let alone writing in a Bible. How many of you struggled the first time you tried to write in a Bible? Like, can we do this? Right? Like, is that allowed? Right? So, so just a change of stories. Right? I shared that last Sunday. And so when I read this in my in my searching, okay, he's either a lunatic, he's lying, or he's Lord. You know, I processed that, and and, and, and that, that really led me to, to this, this issue of faith, this issue of intellectual faith. A lot of people think Christians, check your brains out of the door, and you just walk in here and you believe whatever, and there's no basis for it, and there's no science behind it, and there's no nothing behind it. You're just, you know, we're just a bunch of faithers, you know. No, you know, in studying the, the manuscripts and in studying the, the historicity of Jesus and in studying the, the validity of the resurrection as a historical fact on the timeline of Earth's history, all of that, right? Because I'm pretty, you know, I'm one of those intellectual, analytical, suspicious kind of guys. So, you know, I wasn't just going to take it just because you said, you know? And in all of that, it came out in those three options he's a lunatic, he's a liar. He's the Lord. He is who he says he is. Right? And that was part of my my journey. Right? Part of me understanding when he says in verse 26, I who speak to you am he. Okay, Richie, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Remember when Jesus asks his disciples, Hey, who do people say I am, by the way? And his disciples give this laundry list. Well, some say this, and some say this, and some say this. And then he turns it right on them. But who do you say I am? Right? He turns it. And then Peter says, you are the Christ, right? The most profound, consequential question, perhaps, that any of us has to be faced when Jesus asks, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Right? And so she struck by this comment, verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Right? Verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Right? So she's profoundly impacted by this conversation. She goes back to town and says, Hey, hey, hey! Right? It's as if if someone has a conversation with someone at the fountain at Libby, Libby Park. And they go back to the neighborhood. Hey, hey, hey! Come here, come here, come here, come here! You won't believe this. I just met a guy at the fountain at Libby Park. And he told me all about me. And, and however she communicated, whether it's her demeanor or her words, enough people were intrigued that they all went to the fountain at Libby Park. Right? And then the passage is kind of interesting. It's like a TV show. There's a cutaway. You're like, oh, what happened? What happened? And so in verse 31, they kind of cut away back to Jesus talking with his disciples. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, right? So in those next few passages, uh, verses, we're going to look at those in a few weeks. Kind of a cutaway to Jesus talking with the disciples. And then you go to verse 39 where the scene cuts back. Right? Come back from commercial break. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. I love that. And his conversation with the Samaritan woman, ultimately God uses her to bring others to Jesus, and they hear and interact with Jesus personally, and come to their own personal decision. See, that's kind of our heart. That's, that, that, that's what we believe this place should be about. You're going to go out and you're going to invite people and maybe share your testimony and you transform lives. You're going to intrigue people in the Ohio Valley. And they go, well, maybe I'll go to church. How many of you have been in inviting someone for a long time to church? Anyone? And you're like, you know, right? You just keep inviting and inviting and inviting. Maybe because of a new place, they'll come. Right? Maybe they'll see something in your life. Maybe it's just time, whatever. And they'll come, and what a glorious thing if they ever said this. Hey, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? How many of you would love to see someone that you've been sharing your faith with? Someone that you've been inviting to the church. You, they come for whatever reason. They hear the word of God for themselves and come to faith because they heard it for themselves. And they're like, thanks, but it wasn't because of you. <laughs> How many would celebrate that? Yeah. Say, yes, yes, just come. See, see, our hearts, when you invite people, when we encourage you, keep inviting people. But don't invite them to come because the music's cool or it's a cool play area. It's all nice facility invite them and prayerfully have a heart that they would meet Jesus and hear for themselves and make a a, a decision of faith for them personally wouldn't that be awesome that you just get to be a part of God's plan and purpose for them for them so that's what we looked at last week was that Jesus knew her story and because of that interaction she is used by God in her town to bring others to a personal faith Awesome. If that is what this is for, and that is what we've been praying, that this would be a place where people come and meet Jesus at the well, well, so be it. Long after we're gone, let this be a place in the Ohio Valley for years and decades down the road that's just known where people come and met Jesus and began their story with him. They walk with him, right? And so we looked at that last week. And this week I want to look at another story of another woman who met God at the well. So turn to Genesis 16. Genesis 16. An Egyptian maidservant, an Egyptian slave named Hagar, meets God at a well. And her life is transformed. Right? Genesis 16 kind of gives some background story. In Genesis 12, remember God had come to Abram, soon to be Abraham, and had promised that he would make him a great nation. Okay? Genesis 16 some time has passed. Abram and his wife Sarai, right? Not yet Abraham and Sarah, but Abram and Sarai. So time has passed. And they're kind of like, Hey Lord, we're waiting on this fulfillment of the promise. Where's this great nation? Because we don't even have a kid yet. Right? So Genesis 16, Sarah kind of decides to take things into her own hands. Okay, so that's the story, that's the backstory. So verse uh, Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant Named Hagar So she said to Abram The Lord has kept me from having children Go, sleep with my maidservant Perhaps I can build a family through her Abram agreed to what Sarai said So after Abram had been living in Canaan Ten years Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar And gave her to her husband To be his wife He slept with Hagar And she died See, this actually was a custom in this culture. It was a custom. This isn't anything necessarily unusual. They would take one of the female slaves, maid servants, and if if they couldn't, if the husband and wife could not conceive, they would actually kind of have a surrogate mother. And the understanding was the child would be considered to be that of the master and his wife. Okay, kind of like surrogate motherhood right here. So it's, it's customary. This was actually a, a, an accepted custom in this culture.
1: When she knew she was pregnant,
0: she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So Sarai concocts this plan it works and, and suddenly there's conflict you know we don't know for sure what it is it doesn't give a lot of detail it says that uh, Hagar began to despise her mistress kind of look down on her maybe flaunting that I'm pregnant and you, you're not. you not know, there's just conflict and this conflict builds and builds and builds Sarah goes to Abram says hey you know what this is crazy around here Right? Abel's like, you deal with it. You deal with it. Right? She's in your hands. Right? Do with her, verse 6, whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So apparently it got so bad in the house that Hagar felt like, you know what? I'm out. I got This is too much. can't deal with this. I cannot deal with this. Right? Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she said. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Where she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well called the Ear high Roi, it is still there between Kadesh and Barat. Alright. So back to verse seven. Right? So Hagar can't deal with it anymore. She's like, I'm uh-huh. out. Too much conflict. I just can't deal with it. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. So imagine she's pregnant. She just has so much. She's, she's fed up. She's done. She's like, uh-huh. Doesn't say a lot about where she's going. Maybe back to Egypt, because she was an Egyptian maid servant. But she's out in the wilderness, right? Look like where he found her. Near a spring in the desert. In the desert, in the wilderness. She's out there. You ever, you ever have a situation, conflict at home or someone, when you just had enough? <laughs> like things escalate, right? Maybe with your siblings or whatever. Da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, I'm out of here! And you like storm out. And you get like 50 feet and you're like, I have no clue where I'm going. Anyone? I, you just had to get out. You just had to. You take a drive. You, but you, partway, you here like, I don't know. Where am I supposed to go right now? Right? I, I remember that, that happened to me, me. Me and my older sister, growing up, we, we had one of these relationships, one of those. Right? And and I remember one time we got into it when I was in, in high school. Well, I, was, I think it was in junior high. She was in high school. We got into it. Da, 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 like, and I was like, I'm out of here. Right? I threw some stuff in a bag, right? Like the classic running away from home thing, right? Like, I'm out of here, you can't right? (laughs) Pack a bag. I go two doors down to my cousin's house. (laughs) I had no idea what I was gonna do. You didn't think that far. I I didn't think it out. I was just reacting. I was just so done, so fed up, so done, that I just had to get away, right? So Hagar is out there and look what he says. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Two great questions for us today. Say, what's your story? See, it's the angel of the Lord. He already knows. Remember in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve sinned and God comes down and says, Hey, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. Right? He says, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away. I'm running away. And there's times in our life probably when, when all of us have just... We feel like we just got to get away. I remember I was a youth pastor in Oceanside. And one morning, real early, I got this call uh, from someone at the church. He said, hey, can you come over? Can you come over to the church? We have this crisis situation. And I got over there. And they wanted me to speak to one of the high school students uh, who had gotten into a, a huge fight at home. And, and it was talking about hurting himself. And they asked me to speak with them. And so we went to a room, and, and at one point, I just asked him. I said, hey, man, are you serious, dude? Are you really serious about wanting to, to hurt yourself permanently like this? And I'll never forget his answer. He says, No, I just want the yelling to stop. You see, he had lost hope. He had lost hope. And, and he had come to the place where, where in his mind, because the situation had become hopeless, he thought the only way out life as a way to get the yelling to stop, right? He, he had gotten so, so fed up, and it had gone on for so long, and, and he felt no hope that he, he wanted to do the ultimate running away. But sometimes it's not that ultimate. Sometimes we run away by going into denial. Sometimes we run away from things by, by isolating ourselves. Maybe we go into it by avoiding it. Maybe we just get raged. You know, there's a lot of ways that maybe you and I run away from tough circumstances. Are we running this morning? Where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away. And look, what the, look at first 9. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Go what? Right? Now, before we proceed, I want to be 100% clear on this. This is not a passage that is to be used in any way, shape, or form to support going back to an abusive, harmful, dangerous situation. That is not what this is about. Okay, There are situations where you need to take appropriate action To protect yourself and your loved ones And you do need to get out That's not what we're talking about here What they're talking about here Is running away Just from difficult circumstances in your life Challenging things Challenging things Right? And the angel says Go back to your mistress And do What? And go, and go back and do what? <laughs> Woo! There's a word Go back and submit Probably the two things that are the furthest things from Hagar's mind Right? Think of a difficult situation Think of a difficult relationship Think of something right now that you've just been avoiding Slash running from Slash not wanting to face What are you going to do? What am I going to do when the Lord says, Hey, by the way, go back. What? Lord, but, but, go back and submit.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: And look what he says. It doesn't end there. Verse 10. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. So catch this. Catch this. The angel of the Lord meets her in her distress. This was a situation. She's a slave. Okay, remember this. She's a slave, so this whole thing is put on her. She had no say in this. I mean, it was a pretty messed up situation. And she gets mistreated, Right? and, 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 and bears the brunt of everything. She's a slave. She has no say. When, when Sarah made the plan, Hagar had no choice. Okay. I'm not sure Hagar was thrilled. Right? So in the, all of this, the Lord meets her in the desert and says, hey, go back, submit, Get the promise. I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. I found this quote this week is very interesting. It said this, Running away from our problems is never the answer. If we seek to change our circumstances, we will jump from the frying pan into the fire. We must be triumphant exactly where we are. It is not a change of climate we need, but a change of heart. The flesh wants to run away, but God wants to demonstrate His power exactly where we have known our greatest challenge. You see, remember we talked about in our walk with Jesus, it's not about us, it's not about me, it's not what Jesus can do for me, it's about glorifying Him. And so when we choose to go back and face those gorillas, I like to call them, the gorillas in the closet, in the power of the Holy Spirit, based on God's word and promises, who gets the glory in that? God does. God does. And that's excruciating. To go back to the very thing that is causing us pain and anger and anguish and confusion and and finger-pointing, and to go back into that? Lord, are you serious? To go back into that?
2: Are you serious?
0: Yes. Yes. Because in that moment, when you are brought to the end of yourself, and you go by faith and obedience, and 100% trust, not in your own efforts, because usually by the time I run away from something... I played all my cards. Amen? Usually, when there's, a, when there's a challenging situation, a conflict, something that I don't really like, usually, in the flesh, I try to fix it. I try to confront it. I try to work it out. I try to do something in the flesh. And then it escalates, escalates, and usually, I run because all my cards are played out, and in the flesh, I'm just frustrated. And then God says, don't go back. You're like, Lord, but I tried everything. That's the point. Now that you're out of the way, go back in faith and obedience and in my strength. And when you do that, I'll get the glory. You see the difference? Don't go back in your own strength. She went back with a promise. She went back with promise. Okay? And it's at those times where where you have to really your, your faith gets tested, right? Cuz go down to verse 11, she says, "She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me." For she said, "I have now seen the one who sees me." That is why the well was called here Lahai Roy It is still there between Kadesh and Meribah. That that name is the well of the living one. Who sees me. And that also think about that for a moment. The well of the living one who sees me. You know what brought Hagar great comfort and was the core truth that sent her back? God saw her circumstance. So, whatever you're going through this morning, there is a living one who sees you. Right now. He sees you. I love these verses. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Isn't that amazing? God sees all of your circumstances. Right now. Whatever you brought in through the doors, He sees. Whatever you're running from, He sees. Whatever you're running away from, right, this morning, He sees it. He knows your circumstance. Now here's the challenging part. She says, right, she names it this really cool name, the well of the living one who sees me, this great theological truth, right? How many of you would affirm that truth? God sees me. Amen? Amen? We got an amen? Okay. Remember you said amen. Because that truth is going to be tested by trusting him to go back. Because by the end of this day, before you put your head on your pillow tonight, some of us will be challenged by God to go back and submit, to return to the thing you're running away from. And then that amen to that theological truth about him seeing me will be tested by your faith and my faith. Are you going to go back? Are you going to trust him to go back to what you were running away from? In the midst of this agonizing situation, are you going to stay focused on him? Are you going to work through it? In the midst of the situation that you just right now Do not like slash hate. Right? Wish you were not a part of. Right? Are you going to trust him? Oh, the well of the living one who sees me. Go back and submit. Right? We grow in our relationship with Jesus when our theology is put into faith. That's where the rubber meets the road when Jesus says, "Come, follow me." And sometimes that road of following Jesus is going back to the things we're running from, going back to the very things we're running from in His strength. When you're like, "I cannot deal with this right now," right? And it, it was amazing. Sometimes when you when you when you're studying and you know you got to teach, sometimes the Lord teaches you things first that when you're up here you're actually like legit you know kind of experienced it even though you may stumble and bumble so yesterday (laughs) yesterday uh, this past week my son and I Vince and I we were in uh, out of town in Alabama for a week and our flight yesterday out of Birmingham was scheduled for 5 p.m. we had to return to rental car so we got there real early early afternoon Got some chick fil sitting in the airport. And by 3.30, I was finished, so I thought, with this message. I had time to study, made my notes. I'm like, this is awesome, right? So I said, hey, it's about 3.30. Boarding's like at 4.30. We should just mosey on down to the gate. So we, and I check in. I look at the, the board on the gate, and it's 20 minutes delayed. And the lady says, ah, oh, you should still make your connecting in Dallas. Right? It was a bit of, oh, we had a yeah. window. Like, okay. I wasn't too thrilled, but okay. I check it a little while later, and then that 20 minutes had become 45 minutes. Oh my God. Wait, really? <laughs> really? You know? Because things were not going according to my plan right now. Not according to my plan. You know, we had all, It was a great week. Right? 15, 20 minutes later, I mosey onto the counter. <laughs> Two hours. This plane coming from Tampa to Birmingham had mechanical failure. Then the pilot timed out. They had to get a new crew. Two-hour delay. No chance. We are going to get from Dallas to Burbank. It was supposed to arrive 8:50 last night. And then there's this line. If you've ever been at the airport when this happens, right? It's a race to rebook. And that moves so slow, so I get in line. And I know me, so I have to text my wife. Praise the Lord for emojis, they just like say everything right. (laughs) Five emojis across. (laughs) And of course, what does she come back with, all things work for the good in there,
2: praying for you. Emoji, emoji, emoji. <laughs>
0: Hour and a half later, I kid you not, from the time I stood in line, worked my way up, and you try not to be mad at them. Yeah. It's not their fault. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to get to Burbank, and yeah, there's nothing till Monday getting to, get to the Burbank. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else? Well yeah, we well, um, oh yeah, we got one, um, departs Dallas at six AM, gets to LAX at seven ten. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that one. So we have to pull our luggage, re re tag it. We get into Dallas last night about 10 p.m., sleep in a hotel for five hours, get up at 1 o'clock your time, and we got here. The LAX today at 7:10 a.m., right? And I'm like, Lord, I finished the sermon at 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not! They kind of messed up, and so she, she, she was talking to someone at headquarters about mine while she was getting you know how they multitask and you know how when, when you rebook it's a first come first serve it's like a race all the other planes fill up so she's talking to this lady while she's rebooking other people and she tells me to go sit down and you know when you sit for a while you like, think that they forgot about you so you have to stand up and just kind of walk around like I kid you not I had finished my sermon at 3, 3.30 p.m. At 5 o'clock. My temperature was right, buddy. The well of the living one who sees me. <laughs> you ever have that moment where you're like, Lord, if you see me, can you fix this? Where art thou? Why do you want to start praying in King James to spin it death in the hell? Oh Lord thy God. <laughs> Open thy seat on thy plane. Nope. Nope. You're gonna... Get in at 7, 10 a.m. Because I am the living one who sees you. <laughs> hmm. Ah. I got to tell you, that, that uh, I really understand. I mean, we all have these situations where these these we're just confronted with things that don't meet our expectations, don't go according to our plans, we're, we're wounded, we're, we're criticized, we're accused, everything, right? And we're just like, I just want to get home. Anyone ever felt like you're the victim in the whole thing? Like, right? Completely out of your control. I think the thing that really bothered me the most when this happens, you're at their mercy. Right? Who? Oh. Right? And then it's like it's the living one who sees me. Do something. Right? And what's the struggle? It's out of my hands. It's completely out of my hands. And this was Hagar. She's in this situation. She's a slave and she's had enough and she's running away. It's completely out of her hands. She has no control over her life circumstances. She's a slave and in the midst of it, the living one who sees her says, go back and submit. But with a promise. With a promise. And that changes everything. See, Hagar left But when she came back, she was different because she had met God at the well. And she was coming back in relationship with God, in obedience to God, with a promise from God. And see, that's the testimony for us. There may be situations in my life and in your life where he's saying, go back. But because you're going back now in relationship with him... In his strength, in his power, according to his truth, relying on his promise. The circumstances haven't changed, but who has? You. And that's where he gets the glory. That's where he gets the glory. And that's what happened here with Hagar. The well of the living one who sees me. That was a starting point. I love first Peter five seven. Turn to first Peter five seven. Hebrews, James Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word cares is present tense. It means he is continually caring for you. He is continually involved in your life. He is affectionately concerned about everything going on in your life and in my life. Cast, that word cast, The word picture is when they they got that donkey for Jesus and they cast something on top of the donkey. That's what he's saying. Cast all your cares. Not just the little ones. Not just the immediate ones. Your whole life cares. Cast it onto God for he is continually caring about you. Hang me. There's not a second that goes by that he is not caring about you. Think about that for just a moment. As you sit here, God is personally caring for you. And it's strange, right? In our pride, I I don't need a caretaker. (laughs) Well, biblically, you have one. And it's a 24-7, 365 caretaker. And in response to him taking care of us, we're to cast all our cares. So if he's telling you to go back, you go back in faith. You go back in obedience. You go back in reliance on him and his word. Whatever that is in your life, whatever you may be running from today, face it in God's strength. Face it in God's truth and his power working through you. Right? I love this verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. You know what? The secret things belong to the Lord our God. There's just things in my life and in your life, you're not going to understand why they happen. In God's sovereignty, we're just not going to, it's just not going to make sense. Whole ordeal that, that happened over the last 12 hours, I, I don't know why that happened. Things were just going great. I did everything I was supposed to do. At a certain point, you got to release the control. You got you to gotta rest in God's goodness and His care. The secret things belong to the Lord. It says this, but the things revealed belong to us. What does He revealed? This is what we're to follow. Things in your life, things in my life, we may not understand the whys. But we do not understand the what. What he's given us. This is what we're called to do. Follow him by following his word. This is what he's revealed to us. By faith. By faith. Not in your own strength. Not in your own strength. I can can only imagine Hagar having to make a choice. See, it was an issue of her will at that point. You, are, you see me. Oh, you want me to go back and submit with the promise? At that very moment, she had to make a choice. It was an act of her will. And here's the thing. When you and I are confronted, challenged with an act of our will, that act needs to be based on truth, not our feelings, not our circumstances. So, yesterday... Is I'm battling, battling internally, just all the range of emotions. Honestly, you know, if I if I were to give myself a, a percentage on how I did, eh, maybe batted 500 on that one. <laughs> Wish I could say I did better. But when I would start to to, to feel the emotion and the feelings and being circumstanced and feeling driven and wanting just to lash out and react. The only thing that brought me back was I had to go back to he cares about me. All things work for the good. <laughs> See, it was truth. It was truth that I had to choose to focus on. It was truth that enabled me to make willful choices to honor him. If it was up to my feelings and circumstances, psh, I would have been one of them irate counter. Because <coughs> I would have been in the flesh you and I are at the well and we meet the living one who sees our circumstances. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you teach us through your meeting with Hagar at the well of the living one who sees me. And you do see us this very moment. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, you do care for us this very second. You know everything that's going on in our life. You know all of our hurts, all of our struggles. Lord, you even know where we're running from. And maybe there's someone here this morning that's like Hagar, hey, running away from something. <clears throat> and without realizing it, they were brought to a place called the well this Sunday to meet the one that sees, the one that cares, the one that works all things for the good, the one that will never leave us nor us
1: so if you are here
0: this morning God sees and he cares and in this time of reflection even in this time of communion maybe it's a time just to just to sit with the Lord express yourself admit that you're running and then listen to what he would have you to do based on his word. What he has revealed according to his will for you and your situation. In a way that would bring him the glory and the honor. Because you do it in faith and in the power of the spirit. So Lord, we uh, we prepare for communion. And just come in a moment of prayer and quietness. sees me, the living one who cares, the living one who will never leave me, the living one who works all things for my good.
1: at the well had encountered with the living Lord and they, they both went back. It's a sign of obedience. They were, they were obedient. So this morning as we're preparing for communion, that should be us. We should be we should be viewing this taking of communion, the Lord's Supper, as an act of obedience but also an act of worship because Jesus paid the price for us. And this this act of obedience and worship gives us opportunity then to reflect and really think about taking this communion in a worthy manner which means just laying everything at his feet that's all we have to do is just lay our cares at his feet I don't know why God gave us the story of these two ladies but I'm inspired I'm inspired that they listened and then they acted they have a testimony, a testimony to who God is. So this morning, as you prepare to take communion, as I prepare to take communion, maybe we just need to reflect and reflect on how in the craziness of life we just have to just lay it all at his feet because that's what we have. We have the opportunity to just lay it at his feet. pray the ushers are going to bring forth the the elements. And when everybody has been served, we'll take communion together. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are who you said you are. God, that we can put our trust and our faith in you right now, Lord. And for those of us who have done that, Father God, you call us into a deep and everlasting relationship with you, Lord. And so, God, if we're running and if we just need to go back, God, in our preparation to take this communion that you have really commanded us to do, God, will you show us what going back looks like in our own life, in our own story, in our own walk, in our own testimony? And, God, if we're if we are here and we haven't done that yet, Lord, perhaps now's the time to just, just lay it all down. Maybe that's our preparation for taking communion in this place at the well today. Wherever we are, God, you know already. And we thank you for that. Thank you for loving us first. So, God, we are going to be served communion. And we are going to obediently and worshipfully take that communion, God, because you told us to. And it is a delight to do that. So, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In First Corinthians, God, word where it tells us about the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist until he comes. Eating.
0: Before we before we close the final song, I just want to encourage you. As I was working through that whole issue at that airport, and I'll be honest with you. You know, I had the whole range of emotions. I, you know, I was I was raging at one point, and then at other points, I I slid all the way into like despondency and extreme like. Wanted to wave a white flag and just quit, you know. And, and it went on for so long, an hour and a half. I was literally exhausted. And, it, and in the midst of that, sometimes when we're going through situations and we're, we're, the, the emotions are going this far to the extremes, if we're not careful, and this is what, this even what happened yesterday, if we're not careful, we start to doubt the goodness of God's character. It's not even about circumstance. Now it becomes about God and His character we're not careful we begin to accuse him and we begin to rail against him we, and that's not just where are you but I thought you were and suddenly we're on very dangerous ground because, because once we allow ourselves to lose sight of the goodness of God's character his love for us his care for us then almost it, you can slide in all bets are off at that point because if God doesn't care then I guess it's up to me right? And so, for an hour and a half, it, it was a real, it was a real challenge for me to stay focused on the goodness and the care of God. And then He was, He knew how I felt. And you know what? He got big shoulders. And 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 I grew through that. But I want to encourage you: whatever you're going through, you got to stay true to what the Bible says about God's character. He is good all the time. He doesn't change. He loves you, and He is constantly caring. We may not understand the circumstances, but it doesn't affect God's character. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and sing about our good, good Father.